Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to a special patron-only episode of The Secrets of Star Trek. And joining me today is Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. Hi, Dom. So while we have discussed the first three seasons of Star Trek Discovery on The Secrets of Star Trek, at some point we made a collective decision, along with Jimmy Hagen, not to cover the, the show going forward on an episode-by-episode basis. Uh, so we didn't talk about season four of Star Trek Discovery on Secrets of Star Trek. Now, I don't want to speak for everybody, but for my part, it was because the show failed to live up to the quality I wanted. And I didn't want to spend mm-hmm. every week of the season bashing it on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's no fun for me and for and, and I'm guessing for the mm. listeners. But no. uh, and Father Corey, I, I, I throw it to you. Similar? Different? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there's. You know, people say, oh, there's, there's a complaint of it's not Star Trek. It's not Star Wars. It's not. It's like, no, Discovery was a, a we'll talk a lot about it, but there, yeah. it's a very different show set in the Star Trek universe. Let's just put it that way. Right. And I, I think the motto of this episode is we watched it so you don't have to. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, is we weren't going to discuss it on the podcast, but we had several requests from people who even knowing how we feel about the show, because yeah. we've said before that about it uh they wanted us to have an episode discussing it now jimmy wasn't available or <laughs> didn't want to do it that's fine i, uh, I, I think he's, he's pretty open about his position on this yeah so. he, he just he he never watched season four and he has no plans to so yeah. i think that's you know that's fine uh i father cory and i as you said father cory uh, you and I watched it, so the audience doesn't have yeah. to. <laughs> and we, we, Dom and I both watched it as it was airing, as it was being released, yeah. and we discussed it at length. Um, yeah. You know, and one thing you kind of mentioned is about you know having to rant about it every week on on Secrets of Star Trek, and you know it's fun to have those episodes of Doctor Who or Star Trek where we just why did they do this? Right. You know, where we just we rip them apart. But when it's every episode, yeah. It's I mean, I I want to have uplifting discussions, but, you know, and there's there are good elements in discovery, oh, yes. even. <laughs> but there weren't enough uh, on yeah. an episode by episode basis. But talking exactly. about it as a whole season, we'll have some things like th- I think I have some things that are positive to say. And, and perhaps you do, too, Father. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. As a special benefit to patrons, uh, you can determine whether that's a benefit to you or not. We're making <laughs> our discussion of season four of Discovery available first to you, the patrons, and later perhaps to our general podcast audience, depending on how this all turns out. Yeah. So, so let's this talk may about be the last episode. This may be the last episode of Secrets of Star Trek. <laughs> no, this will come out on the 20th anniversary of, of Secrets of yeah. Star Trek or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's talk about that season four. It was 13 episodes that aired mm-hmm. in two parts. It was split in two parts with a couple months in between. I think where uh, the first part of Prodigy season one dropped on Correct. Paramount Plus. Um, Correct. So we had five episodes of Prodigy in the middle, and it was and it was because of the virus that right. they had some production issues, and so they had to instead of doing it all one season, they had to break it in half. Right. They were catching up. I think usually with the post production, the they just had to mm-hmm. catch up with with the, yeah. with the production. So there were 13 episodes that began. The first episode premiered in November of 2021, which is kind of interesting how how long ago that is now. Mm. And it ended in March of 2022. Uh, And just to kind of follow up, we expect the season five of Discovery to show up some 
sometime in early 2023. Uh, nothing more is definite than that. I think it's supposed to be after Picard, because uh, Picard yeah. is supposed to be in February. So I would assume right. it's going to be closer to spring, early summer. Yeah, probably like look for it April, May in that realm. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. I'm curious. And. I uh, know what you think, Father Corey. How long do you think they're going to take Discovery? Because historically, Star Trek was seven seasons and out. Like TNG and yep. Voyager and DS9 were all seven seasons and out. Enterprise was famously four. Yep. The original series was three. What do you think mm-hmm. is, are they going to try to go for the historical seven on that? I don't, I don't know because, uh, you know, they've, they've been following the trend with a lot of the Star Treks that, they renew it even before the first episode airs just off of the fans reaction to like the trailers and the teasers and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So in discovery, they did that for the first couple of seasons. I think the first two or three seasons were renewed before this, the, the previous season even aired. Yep. This time with season five being renewed, it was actually, if I remember right, it was either during or after season four. That the renewal notice it was not yeah. renewed before season four aired, if I remember correctly. Because I remember right. we talked about that, that there was some question whether or not season five would actually even become a thing. Yeah. So I'm wondering if season five might be it and they haven't had any kind of rumors about a season six yet. Mm. Actually, I haven't heard any rumors of even season five being finished yet. So I don't know. Right. Well, that's the thing is, yeah, they haven't announced season. I'm just trying to look up a Mary Alpha. Um, so it was during the the in that uh, hiatus of the of season four okay. that they announced that it had been renewed. But like you said, that wasn't before. <laughs> it was like during. Yeah. Well, like like Prodigy, Prodigy season two was announced before season one even started. Yeah. Um, Lower Deck season two, season three were announced before their previous season started. Uh, Strange New World season two was announced before season one even started. So they've had this pattern. And this is you see this a lot with the streaming services is they will announce a new season before the current season even starts. Yeah. I, this isn't it, just Star Trek. I mean, Amazon did that. Like they announced that season two of ring of rings of power was was going to come out before yeah. they, although they spent a billion dollars on it so that's yeah. they better have they were one make sure season. to get two seasons out of it yeah, <laughs> yeah. so but, uh, yeah as a from a story standpoint and we'll talk about season four obviously mm-hmm. i just don't know how much they they do the season long story arc thing where strange new yep. worlds is doing episode by episode with a overarching perhaps threads mm-hmm. uh throughout the season uh, is i just don't know and maybe it's wishful thinking i just don't know if discovery has the, enough gas left on the tank to really carry us if there's enough character to, story to 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 tell to carry right. it and to that's... seven seasons and that, that's kind of part of the problem with it is it's not a flexible structure. You know, yeah. TNG, Voyager, Discovery, or not, not Discovery, Strange New Worlds, DS9, Lower Decks, Prodigy, even Prodigy, which is more of a overarching storyline yeah. type model, has more flexibility. And we're, we've been talking with Prodigy, too. Are they going to have more than two seasons? Yeah. You know, because of this lack of flexibility in that, that, arching model of course is doctor who has been using it for all of new new who <laughs> right. and it's more or less still been working but the problem with discovery is it's 
it's set in a particular context and time period, a thousand years in the future of, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, where they started. Um, There's not, they can't escape really the constraints that they put on the storytelling of this future disastrous post-apocalyptic sort of galaxy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of confines it a bit. I don't know that they really have a chance to get outside of that. I don't see the time frame or the the wider galaxy as being the constraint. It really is the model they have chosen for the series going yeah. all the way back to the beginning. You know, we, we've joked about it where discovery is, you know, we're together in our togetherness, you know, or the, the, the USS emotional discovery, as I like to call it. <laughs> right. And that's more, I would say, the constraining part of it, because it, it's yeah. become more of a soap opera based in Star Trek than a... Star Trek series. Yeah. You know, have, having the over having those because actually that storyline of what happened after the burn and what happened now with the Federation coming back together is a very interesting storyline. It's true that they there's a lot there. Because there's still a lot do. of races that we haven't seen in Discovery. Right. What happened to them? Right. Right. Klingons. Well, we know the mm-hmm. Romulans. We saw the Romulans. Romulans but, yeah. but yeah, some of the other Trek races that we we know about right um yeah that's an interesting question yeah so let's get into season four then because it feels like we've we've reached the natural point to start talking about it Mm -hmm. like i said discovery the ship is still in the 32nd century burnham is now captain saru um starts the season on his home world of Kaminar, which he's helping to rebuild, uh, you know, and to recover based on yep. what he's learned about himself in the previous seasons. Um interesting Tilly, who is one of my favorite characters from the first mm-hmm. three seasons, basically departs the show in episode four. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know why. I don't maybe the actress had a personal like maybe she had a baby. Or something and needed to to go yeah, or something know. like, but she kind of departs, comes back for the finale, but it was kind of disappointing to to see yeah. one of my favorite characters leave. She mm-hmm. was you know one that I really enjoyed to see, so that was well, and, and and she became the one of the professors, one of the instructors at the newly rebuilt Starfleet Academy. So the Starfleet right. Academy, after the burn, had basically fizzled out, had basically yes. shut down uh, because the Federation was so entrenched and so you know, couldn't move basically because of the issues of the burn. Um, and so they, they restarted Starfleet Academy and she took over as kind of like the lead instructor or something like that, you know, right, as even a, though she's a lieutenant or something, you know, very new, low ranking. Yeah. Herself. One of the, uh, you know, problematic parts of discovery is just the agenda pushing that we get. Mm-hmm. And this is, they are very, very upfront about wanting to, show representation you know and so we have this gay couple who mm-hmm. adopts a non-binary girl and her dead but not gone and come back in a robot body transgender romantic interest and yeah. it's it's every time it just feels like these characters i mean i like stamets and i like um hugh um yep, culber culber um as characters but both Adira and Gray just felt like, oh, like they just they mm-hmm. they don't they don't have anything to contribute. Especially Gray. Gray's not even a member of the crew. Like, what are you doing there? Like, getting involved in things. Like, why why are you a part of this show except for 
representation. And yeah. just as a as a, from a writing standpoint, it's a superfluous character apart from that. And that's to me emblematic of one of the big problems with discovery is, is it's less about telling amazing stories and more about pushing a particular preaching. viewpoint and preaching. Right. Exactly. Preaching. You yeah. know, that, that's, that's a complaint I commonly make is, you know, my job as a priest is to preach. It's right. not the job of a TV show to preach to me. You know, <laughs> right. if I want to hear a preach, I go to church, you know, basically those kind of things. And that's, that's a frustrating part about discovery. And that, that's why we've t- tuned out on it. You know, we, we don't talk about it is because the, there's more in each episode about the emotional attachments and the message of the week they want to send about this representation or that representation than there is the actual plot. Right. And it's not that you can't have, you know, it's it would be wrong to have a gay character or something like that. And it's and it's not that it's wrong to have symbolism or idea explore ideas because mm-hmm. TOS had definitely had great episodes that were about, you know, uh, an analogy to an issue in our society. Yeah. Which wasn't preaching. So I'm trying to struggle to describe what's the difference between that and <laughs> what Discovery does. And I think it's just it if it feels like it's in your face, if it feels artificial, yeah. that's where it is. Or if it's if it smashes you over the head with it, as opposed to telling a good story that happens to connect to something else. I guess that's right. Yeah. Well, it's I, I think in a good example of it would be. Uh, from DS9, when Jezia Dax met her previous host, Dax's previous hosts. Right. And that was the big issue. Excuse me, not previous host, met the girlfriend or uh, right. adulterous gr- affair uh, from his her previous host. Right. And there was, oh, there's the two two women kissing scene. Right. And it wasn't that big of a deal. Right. Well, it was the 90s, like, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying, though, no, what I'm saying, though, is. The episode was not written where that was the primary focus oh, of the episode. Yeah. It wasn't that big of a deal in the episode. And actually, I'm trying to remember, actually, the episode Dax where she met, or the episode where she met her previous host, there was one of those scenes again there. And right. again, it was not a big deal. It was not pushed as, this is what the episode was about. It was just, this was a part of the episode. Yes, it was promoted, but it was just, it kind of came and went. It was a brief scene, and that was it. As opposed to it being... It's often these scenes in discovery are tacked on they're they're added to the their b plot or mm-hmm. c plot and they just feel like they're added on because we need to have you know representation moment of the right. week um right i mean i'm not opposed to people seeing themselves in shows i loved that they cast uhura in you know mm-hmm. or michelle nichols as uhura in the first tos you know i i love that they show a future where things are hopeful, but it's this shoving it in there and cramming it in and Mm -hmm. constantly saying, Hey, look at this. Remember, look at this. This is better than our world. They're better than us. They're better than, than, than that sort of thing. And it's, I don't know. It's so it's the amount of it. So I don't want to spend the whole time talking about that, but that was one of the, the problematic aspects of the season was how often they, they really ramped that up in season four. In the previous right. seasons, it wasn't as big, but in season four, it felt like it went to another level. So that's right. Well, it's, you know, it just, you go in memory alpha and it, it really kind of shows their mindset of she had interviewed uh, Michelle Paradise, who was one of the, the producers, one of the 500 executive producers. 
Yeah. The the opening credits take longer than I think half the show. But anyways, you know, that, that, you know, the gray storyline, the, 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 the transgender characters storyline is incredibly important to us and representation matters. And you, you know, there, it matters that there are non-binary and transgender characters it matters that black women capture all that's fine. But when they make that the focus of the season, and right. that really is what it is. How about just tell a good story? Like, yeah, I don't think of Burnham as a black woman as captain, but I'm not a, I'm not neither black nor a woman. So maybe that's mm-hmm. not for me. And maybe uh, a, a woman or a black woman would have a different perspective and be, be grateful to see her there. And that's fine. Um, but I just, I want it first and foremost, I want these to be great characters with great stories. Yeah. And, exactly. And I don't think it, it, it represents it's good representation if no. they are not great characters with great stories i'd i'd be disappointed if i if it looked like they were just there to to check a box so well and the problem you run into is the thing that i mentioned to you before we started recording is as i was going through and reviewing the uh the wiki the the memory alpha wiki i had to keep going back and looking up characters right and these were bridge crew characters you know, like right. there's a Lieutenant Christopher. It's like, I don't remember this guy. <laughs> yeah. Lieutenant Reese. Oh, yeah. I remember him. He was kind of the the Asian character, yeah. you know, yeah. Asian looking character and so on. And it's just like, I don't remember much of the crew. And that says something because, you know, you could mention a crew member from any of the previous Star Treks. And if you're a Star Trek fan, you're going to know who they are. Like you mentioned right. her earlier. She yep. was a fairly minor character in the original series. But people know who she is. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is you the characters in this series, apart from the big four, maybe are mm-hmm. are are very forgettable. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, Janet Reno was in that one. And, uh, and yep. oh, yeah, that's uh, oh, what's his name? I mean, I couldn't even remember Hugh Culber's last name, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's. And and it's a huge cast. There's all of these recurring characters. And that's another issue is it was hard to keep track at times of all of these secondary characters and tertiary characters. And Saru is having a romantic relationship with the president of Vulcan. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. the Federation president and then the general from Earth. And yeah, so it was a little of that. Um, I also want to mention another character that was brought out in this series uh, this season was the Discovery's computer Zora, mm-hmm. who we first encountered in the Star Trek, the, the short track from a couple of years ago. Uh, Calypso. Yes, Calypso. The episode. Which that takes place is set even further in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it became this individual person. And this is, you know, as part of the as the ship's computer, which is very bad, by the way. Let me tell you, having your yeah. ship's computer being a, independent person with their own motivations and thoughts. The, the episode stormy weather involved um, gray helping Zora get through an emotional or being overwhelmed mm-hmm. emotionally so they can act. And it's like, again, emotion, it's all about emotion. Yeah. And then there's another episode where Zora uses to divulge information about the big baddies in this season, species 10 C because of ethical reasons. And it's like, it just, I suppose it could be interesting to explore that, but it's the way that they created this character and the way the crew reacted to it was not like 
you know how Kirk would react. You're going to get this mm-hmm. computer under control or Picard yeah. or, you know, any of the other captains in Starfleet. But in this case, it was they, you know, we wanted to be friends with it. And the captain was like, you know, we need to protect our friend and, you know, give have therapy sessions. And it was just like, it just felt yeah, if you, the day, ugh. the day your computer needs to have therapy is the day you unplug the computer and jettison <laughs> out an airlock. <laughs> right. I'd rather have one of those computers from the uh, megalomaniacal uh, computer yeah. storage <laughs> at the Daystrom Institute. <laughs> um, so uh, another element of agenda in uh, ideology showing up was the stunt casting in the season finale or one of oh. the last couple episodes having um, the last scene. Yeah. President of Earth. Yeah. The yeah, the the. A, the real life Democrat politician from Georgia, Stacey Abrams, showing up, and yep. we're supposed to be all excited. And, and and what it is is it's 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 showing how very ideological the the mm-hmm. show is. I mean, that's well, to me was emblematic. I don't want to see a Republican, you know, no. uh, politician show up there either. I mean, I just I don't like having that stuff intrude on my fantasy escapism. Well, admittedly, it's kind of funny because, you know, Secrets of Stargate, we, you know, obviously I'm on Secrets of Stargate. And there are times when the actual U.S. Air Force chief of staff, the sitting chief of staff showed up on Stargate. And and the first one was the one who was chief of staff when I was in the Air Force. Right. So that's happened there, too. Although that's that's a little different. different. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a politician. Yeah. Yeah. Well, chief of staff is politician, <laughs> but not when you not get a, to that level, a polarizing election official. Well, especially yeah. I was going to say, especially in that case where at the time she had still not conceded the previous election. Right. She still insisted that she had won that election. And it wasn't until now this year where she definitively lost. <laughs> right. <laughs> she finally conceded. Right. So. And and it's it's so she was a controversial politician, and that's that's really what that's about, you know. And I just don't want that stuff showing up on right. my fun escapist shows. And I mean, I don't, I don't recall if that's ever happened on Star. They've had stunt casting of other actors. Mm-hmm. I don't recall if they've ever had like a politician show up on a Trek so series in dis- in Voyager. They had actually like the president or the prime minister of, um, oh, he was like the prince. Now he's the king of Jordan. But he was like a one scene thing because he was such a big Star Trek fan that he got he had kind of like a walk through the hall type scene. Right. He was in the background. He didn't didn't even have a line, yeah. did he? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. No. Like I said, it was just you're walking through the hall as, you know, Janeway and Chakotay are so, talking or whatever. I mean, so an extra... I wouldn't, but not something prominent like this. Yeah. No, it wouldn't have bothered me if she just walked through the background even, it's, you mm-hmm. know, but it's it's just we were she was given this speech. It was supposed to be inspiring and all this. And, yeah. and she was praising Burnham like effusively. And it was like over the top. Oh, yes. and I was like, oh, it was like it was just so much. I don't know. Wish fulfillment over the top stuff. Oh, yeah. it's like uh, it felt unearned in that sense. And that's one of the things that bothered well, me about so. it. So, um, and again, I feel like that's kind of emblematic of of what de- discovery has become. Yes, very much so. And it's, and it, you know, a lot, a lot of 
telling, not showing, as Jimmy likes to say. Yes. Uninformed attributes. I think that's the other Uninformed one. Uninformed attributes. That yep. we talk about, which is, you know. We, we, Burnham is the most perfect officer ever. And even when she <laughs> argues, she's right in her arguing. And we're just though, mad because she's right in her arguing. Even though she's a traitor. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, well, among other things. Among other things, a mutineer. Um, all right. Let's talk about some things we did like about this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, some characters. I liked, again, David Cronenberg as Dr. Kovich. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mysterious. Always interesting. Always interesting when he was on screen. I always felt like that was a, he was very X-Files. I kind of liked mm-hmm. that. St- I'd still like to learn more about this mysterious Dr. Cronenberg. I mean, Dr. Yeah, Kovich. Very, very, yeah. Very deadpan in his delivery. You yeah. Know, just no nonsense. Just. Yeah, he, he was he was a fun character. He really was kind right. of an interesting character that, you know, of course, all the, the presumptions or the thoughts that, oh, he must be, you know, Section 31 still exists and stuff like that. It's like, no, he's just kind of his own character. <laughs> yeah. There's something going on. I mean, he may be sort of in some sort of intelligence service or Section 31 type thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. that is necessarily Section 31. I want to find out more about him. I also liked um Odid Fair as Admiral Vance, who He's excellent. Yeah. He's very good. He's a great actor. I was always enjoy him and things. I like the character. I felt like there were times where I didn't like what they did with the character. I thought it was a little meh. But uh, you know, sometimes a little too soft on Burnham when she went off the rails, that sort of thing. But in general, I I like Admiral Vance and I thought he would should have yeah. got a little more. Agreed. Uh, um, and, and as I said, I was disappointed that we didn't get more Tilly this season. Yes. I always mm-hmm. enjoy her. Um, so the burn, like you mentioned, is still a main plot driver. This idea that starships can't get around like they did because dilithium is at a premium. Um, there's a, I feel like there's a little bit of a contemporary, um, analogy to oil. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that means discovery is the only ship that can reach certain places, which Makes for some interesting plot development. Uh, that, that's good. It kind of evokes the age of sail when ships would sail off from their home country, like from England, and be gone mm-hmm. for 18 months at a time out of communication range and have to do yeah. things uh, on the, you know, you re- relying on the captain's judgment. So I, I right. like that idea. And they're, they're starting to kind of pull that back by having exploring more of the spore drive. Um, yep. You know, like they, they've got a prototype spore drive that plays part of this episode or this season. Um, yep. So they're starting to kind of. And of course, now that they know the cause of the burn, which we ran ranted about that at at length, <laughs> you can go back and listen to that. Right. Um, but now, they know, the cause of the burn and they know that can never happen again. They are starting to spread out again. You know, they are yes. starting to, you know, find more dilithium. Well, they've got a whole planet of dilithium, which is where the burn started from. And so now they're mining that and they can do more. Right. Um, so they, they do have that ad, that advantage. Yep. Now. So the big plot driver for this season was the anomaly, though. the yep. This uh, dark matter anomaly that would show up seemingly at random in different places in the galaxy and just destroy stuff. Planets. Whole planets. Right. Apparently there was a reaction to COVID that it was sort of, I don't know. I'm not sure how, but that was what I, I read was some of these like. This plot, this season's plot was a reaction to the pandemic's effects. I'm like, COVID didn't show up and like wipe out cities and stuff. It was, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry. If, if you're watching the video, you saw me just pull a Spock on that one <laughs> uh, with the raised eyebrow. It's like, that, yeah. that wasn't, I mean, it was, 
the Dark Matter Anomaly was a very interesting plot. I really liked the Dark Matter Anomaly plot. I thought yeah. it was a very interesting thing. I thought it was something that could have been done very well in other Star Trek series. Yeah. I think other Star Trek series could have handled it extremely well, and it would have been a very interesting story. And I hate to say it, but if you stripped all the stuff we complained about from Discovery, the Dark Matter Anomaly plot would be about a two-episode, three-episode Right. Serial. They would have figured it out <laughs> earlier. Well, and I also wasn't thrilled with the resolution, which was basically uh, emotional d- attachment to aliens. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you, you'd, you'd mentioned like the 10 C is the big baddies and they really weren't big baddies. They were just misunderstood. <laughs> right. <laughs> they I weren't mean, bad people. They're just badly drawn. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what, the, what it is, is this anomaly had been sent out and it was it, by this extra galactic race that was harvesting materials and mm-hmm. unintentionally destroying whole worlds while doing it. So, yeah, so I, we, I would have been I would actually been more would believed more if you told me that it was actually an analogy for mining for like rare earth minerals in <laughs> right. Africa or something like that, right. because it, it basically it was a mining scoop. Yeah, it was, a you know, it would go through and it would mine resources from where, whatever, you know, star whatever system it, it destroyed, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's what the 10 C used to survive was the resources they got. Right. We have book. He's still important to the series. He's still he's uh, mm-hmm. Burnham's romantic interest. He's sort of an independent agent on his own. Uh, but he ends up this emotional rogue element you know, after his planet's destroyed by the anomaly and we have this big thing of Burnham having to chase him down and arrest him before he can do something bad. And, you know, we end up with him kind of departing the series. I think, I think that was his resolution was he's, he's gone now. Uh, But Mm. I'm not sure if that's, if that's a permanent thing, they could, they could, this conceivable, they could bring him back, but Mm. rather than going to jail for his awful, awful, this committed the ultimate crime, He's just going to have to go do community service with people who were hurt by the anomaly. It's like, <laughs> so no consequences for, for what he did. Um, well, yeah. And it was, it, I mean, it, it, admittedly, that's one thing that's set wrong with me is he, he's kind of the, the, the character they pick on. He's yeah. kind of the character that everything bad happens to. Yeah. You know? And so of course his planet is the one that's destroyed and he's the one that has to deal with the consequences of that. And, and admittedly though, he is one of the few main crew of the series of the series that is from that timeline. So it's understandable. Right. So a couple episodes that seem to stand out to me is uh, the fourth episode, that one where Tilly departs called uh, all is possible was a cadet episode. And that's sort of one of those mm-hmm. Star Trek tropes you end up with a, a few times because we've had, a, we've seen that a few times in Trek where it focuses either on lower deckers, like junior crew or cadets, like Academy cadets. And so this one had Tilly and a group of cadets and Adira mm-hmm. on a mission that goes bad and they're stranded on a planet and they have to work together to survive, uh, symbolizing the fractured nature of the Federation coming back together again. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that one in particular? I thought it was okay. I thought there was some yeah. good elements to that one. It, it, I, it was it was a decent episode. I, I liked it more or less. Um, it was like you said. It was kind of a almost paint by numbers. You know the, these these people who are from different races that disagree and you know that have had bad blood. Not even disagree. Have bad blood. Yeah, have to work together, and now they're best buddies because of their getting through the 
getting through the difficulty, but it was, you know, it wasn't, it was not a bad episode at all. I mean, right. it was, that was one of the ones I remember much more fondly than some of the other ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, another one that I liked was the one that was following called the examples. And it was an interesting one about this planet. The anomaly is coming. They have to evacuate mm-hmm. people. And there's right. a prison where these prisoners are held. Um, they're the worst of the worst. And they're getting, being the, the people of the planet are leaving them to die because that's, you know, that's, mm-hmm. Just just punishment for them. And it turns out they've been imprisoned unjustly, uh, that they're, they're, the, the punishment does not fit the crimes, apparently. It's a little bit of a Jean Valjean, Les Miserables sort of mm-hmm. situation. Um, and, you know, this one character refuses to leave, says, I have to stay because I I did a thing bad. I'm actually being justly punished. He had... Um, accidentally stolen a what their culture has is an invaluable family heirloom Mm -hmm. and then murdered the owner of it in you know in the in a struggle and and so he felt he he deserved to 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 stay behind and to even to die for his crime that would be just Mm -hmm. uh punishment and i thought that was an interesting explanation of the morality of prison of crime and also a bit of um he had a he had a bit of a redemption act like he wanted to do he wanted to to uh what is the term do penance in a sense mm-hmm. the ultimate penance um in sacrificing himself i'm not sure i would agree that it's a good thing for him to to commit suicide essentially but right. but, but i like the exploration of this what did you think of that episode oh yeah yeah no i i, I agree and I, again you've got the it's interesting because you didn't really have the, the colonists who are refusing to leave. You know, that's that's often the trope that they'll do is you right. always have the one the one old crotchety guy. I've let, I moved here and 50 years ago and you can't take me off my land. Right. Well, in this case, it's not that it's, you know, no, I deserve the ultimate punishment for this. I deserve to, you know, my my crime or my, my punishment is just and I deserve it. So. Yeah, that, that's I mean, that that's actually kind of an honorable way to look at justice and, and and to really show conversion that he recognized, you know, the harm that he did. And, mm-hmm. you know, penance is a good word for it. It really yeah. is. So um, are there any other episodes that stand out for you that's particularly the, better than the others? One, the one I the one I remember that I really actually kind of liked was choose to live. That was the Coat Malat nun who was protecting the. Oh the, yeah, basically the colony ship. It was like a colony moonship, right? And that was that was actually a, I, I like that where you know they had this nun quat malat nun who seemed like she was going rogue, that she had gone rogue and she was was, was you know um, killing people unjustly and stuff. And it turns out that she had found this colony moonship that had escaped the the explosion of their this racist planet, and she was protecting it. And the Discovery crew were able to help fix it so that they could then be brought out of cryosleep and go off. You know, that that race could be reborn, basically. I like the idea, as a reminder, the Coat Malat, one of their tenets is, um, in addition to absolute candor, is to fight for a lost cause. I think it's Mm -hmm. a fascinating, that that originated in Picard, the Picard series. But it's a fascinating idea. It's like, and it's almost a Christian idea of, to, to kind of fight for the for the lowliest, for the, the yep. defenseless, the innocent, those who have no one else will fight for them for a cause that is seemingly lost. Now, we have in our you know Catholic faith hope because we always we right. know that God can do can write straight with crooked paths and to do the miraculous. And so 
fighting for a lost cause is not always is not a hopeless thing. Uh, so I, I find that interesting to see that in this. And yeah, that was a good that was a good story. That that episode. I like that. And and then, you know, not so much story, but kind of the, the whole plot line of learning how to communicate with t- this 10C. I thought that was I thought it was interesting because the the way that they established how they communicate again in another Star Trek series would have been much more interesting than it was here. <laughs> right. Because the way it was is they communicated through basically pheromones. You know, they, they were emotional emotions. powders. They're pheromones. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, of course, it was through emotion, but it was through pheromones and through lights from the, 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 the person speaking. Right. And I thought that was actually quite interesting that they would um, speak this way. And I, again, and if, if it wasn't for, I'm sorry for the pun in advance, but if it wasn't for the fact that this was in a series that is clouded by emotions, <laughs> this idea of communicating <laughs> through a cloud of emotions and lights yeah. could be very interesting. Could have been very well done. I, I thought the whole the the whole plot of using math as a bridge, mathematical equations yes. as a bridge language, and I thought that was that was interesting. That was really cool, hard science fiction that yes. they've inserted there. And that was well done because you had to explain it and show it in a way that is <laughs> that the audience can grasp on screen very quickly. You don't have like exactly. a, like a novel. You could write pages about it. So th- I think they did a decent job with that. So you're right. I, yeah, I, I, I did like that part. I agree with that, that as well. Cause that, that is an actual thing we've done. You know, if it was, it isn't the, the Voyager plaques, the plaques on Voyager one and two, don't they have like mathematical formulas to kind of show that, you know, like the, uh, right. What is it? Yeah. It's, one, I can't remember which one it is, but, but, you know, math Pythagorean theorem and stuff like that, you know, so yeah, there, there's, it's, oh, um, it's called Linkos is, um, it's a constructed language, a real one developed in 1960. Uh, that's designed to be understandable by any possible intelligent extraterrestrial life form, mm-hmm. uh, in communication. So they used a form of that to, to, to yep. communicate. So I thought that was really cool. Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about was what makes Discovery different from Strange New Worlds? Like, because we're in agreement, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure we love Strange New Worlds. I think it's oh, yes. the best new Star Trek and and better than some classic Star Trek series. Um, mm-hmm. I love Captain Pike. I, lo- I love the storytelling. What makes it better than Discovery, which are being made essentially by the same general group of people? Alex Kurtman is right. the overall you know, runner of the Star Trek universe. What do you think is the essential differences? Well, I think with strange new worlds, they've, they've tightened up, you know, one again, complaint again is the discovery crew seems so big. It's so unwieldy. Strange new worlds is much tighter. You still yeah. are, you're focusing more. And of course, this has been a complaint to Star Trek. They always focus on the bridge crew. And then there's the lower deck people, which they have a series for that too. So, <laughs> That's right. which is great. But you're focusing more on the bridge crew. So you are focusing on Uhura. You know, she's cadet, but she's, you know, she's there. You've got Pike, you've got Spock, you've got Una, you know, number one. Yep. And a couple others. And it's really tight crew. And it, it and they're not slapping you upside the face every episode with some togetherness message or yes, there's teamwork. And they talk yeah. about, they have to be a crew. They have to be a team, which that's always been a part of Star Trek. You know, with even with the jokes about Kirk, you know, being the Lone Ranger. <laughs> yeah. There's still there's there's crew work and there's still teamwork and there's still, you know, development between the characters and so on. And you can be a team and work together and be close to one another without it having to be 
gushy, which is what, yeah. what, you know, and the, there is not as much emotional angst in mm-hmm. it. You know, Pike is dealing with knowing his future that is coming, his fate. Yep. Um, and you know, that that causes him some angst, but it's not wallowing in it. Like no. discovery does. In fact, the, one of my problems with discovery is how often you have people just standing around talking about stuff mm-hmm. and talking about their feelings and talking about it's less talking, more doing Yeah, <laughs> you know? the ship's going to blow up in five minutes. So let's spend four minutes emoting about how we feel about the <laughs> ship blowing up and losing all our friends and, Oh, we'll fix it in 30 seconds. Right. I mean, there were, there was at least one moment where good thoughts saved the day. Like, let's all think good thoughts. It's like, what is this Peter Pan? (laughs) Tinkerbell, (laughs) you will live. I mean, it was like, come on. The other thing that bugs me about discovery that I haven't yet seen in strange new worlds is whenever the writers can push symbolism on our agenda, they do it. Like they just never lose an opportunity to do that. And that it just keeps taking me out of the story every time. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like with Strange New Worlds, the number one priority is to have fun telling a great story. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's the difference. I just don't feel like that's the number one priority in the Discovery Writers Room. Yeah. The Enterprise Bingo is a good example of that. Yeah. Where they had, you know, different things they had to do. And like one of them was phasing, you know, hitting each other with the phaser at the lowest setting. <laughs> that was that was a fun scene. Yeah. Walking on the walking on the hull of the ship without a spacesuit because they did the English or the, 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 the shield, you know, the, the energy or the oxygen bubble. That's the word I'm trying to say, the oxygen bubble. So they could sit on the hull. Right. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. That, yeah, that, and um, there was another, the fun where they had like the fantasy, like they, they were, um, yeah, they were playing, they were made to be like characters in a story. And there was fun yep. stuff like that in the series that just, just discovery doesn't feel fun. And that's actually a, a mm-hmm. big part of it too. It just doesn't. Yes. It feels like work. It feels grim. I mean, there's there are light moments, but overall, mm-hmm. it just feels grim. And that's you know, and that, that is it's interesting because you know, let's look at the new series that have come out, both animated and and, re, and live action. Discovery, not you know, again, not fun, not interesting. Yeah, Picard, a little bit of fun, but it's still kind of dark. Yeah. But then you got Strange New Worlds, much more fun, much more entertaining. It's it's relaxing to watch. Lower decks, hilarious. Oh, yeah, <laughs> all fun. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's got a few episodes that are like, oh, why did you go there? But yeah. that's beside the point. You know, it, it's it's absolutely hilarious. Prodigy has really surprised me. Yeah. Where it's just a fun series to watch. Matter of fact, I'm looking forward to. We're recording this on a Thursday, right before the last. Episode or at the day the last episode came out. Yep. That's what I'm going to go do right after we're done recording yeah. is watch the last episode of the season. I'm looking forward to it. It's, you know, you can see they've kind of learned. This is why Star Trek worked. Right. Because it's fun. You go back and watch TNG. You go back, watch the original series. And it's fun to watch. You enjoy it. Yeah. Discovery is a slog. <laughs> yeah. And I still watch it. I, I don't always look forward to it. But I watch mm-hmm. it because it's Star Trek, and I, I love Star Trek. I love the I love the universe, um, and that's one of the things I keep hoping for for more and yeah. and to glean out the good stuff that we've talked about. There, like we said, there is good stuff there worth gleaning out. At least for me, yeah. The, the question I asked myself though is: Are there episodes of Discovery you'd go back and watch? 
And I would say for me, it's only from season two. Yes. Because that's the season with Pike. That's yeah. the Pike season. And that is, and we, we've talked about it you know, before when we were doing discussing Discovery before. Season two is the best season so far, in my opinion, right. for Discovery. Because it did have some of the fun. It did have some of the adventure. And, you know, Pike is such a great character. And the characters were starting to gel. Yeah. And then they got rid of him and moved him to the future and threw all that away. But yeah, Pike. Well, I mean, uh, thankfully, they gave him his own show. But yeah, but Pike played by Anson Mount is a is a great character. I really enjoy Anson Mount. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it, it just, there's nobody on Discovery that I, I look at and go, oh, that's my favorite character. I mean, aside from Tilly, but yeah. Tilly's a minor character. There's none of the major, you know, forward characters. I just don't, you know, I just don't think they're great characters. Actually, yeah. I take it back. The, the two episodes I would go back and watch are the, the mud episodes from Discovery. Oh, I'd watch well. those too. Yeah, yeah. Those were good. Rain Again, Wilson is They mud. were fun. <laughs> yeah. As, what... as Rain Wilson is going through killing everyone and then jumping back in time and doing it again and again and again, that was actually fun. <laughs> yes, 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 there was. <laughs> so, um, I guess to wrap it up, any last thoughts on season four of Discovery? Anything we left unsaid that you wanted to mention? No, I wish they weren't <laughs> doing season five. Um, you know, I, I still see they could turn this around, but they would have to really retool the series. You know, that they yeah. would have to they would have to pull themselves out of the emotional limitations they put themselves in. And I don't see them doing it because they're proud of it. They're they're proud of what they've done. So I I, I'm hoping season five is the last. Um, and I'm I'm happy that there's other Star Trek out there that is so much better. Well, I I would agree. I hope season five is the last, only po- because they could then redeploy the resources they're using to mm-hmm. make Discovery to other shows uh, that like they've section promised. thirty one with Bashir. Right, right. There's that rumor that Alexander Siddig is going to come back. And be in the Section 31 series, maybe with Michelle Yeoh or instead of Michelle Yeoh. Um, yeah, that, would that, be- that, that, that one could be. Uh, I we were talking about this before we recorded our our last episode of Secrets of Star Trek, and her num her her numbers are up. Her her not her numbers up, her, her stars up. Her, yeah. her profiles up. Her her stars risen. She you know, and of course she's always been an, a well known actress, but especially now, right? Um, so she could be a, a reoccurring guest. Yeah, I mean, Emperor Jojo is such a great character, you know, screen shooting mm-hmm. character. Another another reason why, by the way, Discovery is not as good in season four as it was before is the lack of Giorgio, who provided that element of yep. fun and chaos. And yeah, and yeah, that's another another thing we lost. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of hope season five is the end and that we can move on to other new Star Trek from there and see where it goes. And honestly, I'm glad that we're we're not doing week by week of discovery for another reason, which is during that period, they we can then go back and talk about all that classic yes. Trek we haven't talked about yet. We have listeners we got a lot out there <laughs> yeah, and we have listeners who are dying for us to talk about that stuff because for whatever reason, maybe they're just not as interested in the Paramount Plus series or they don't have Paramount Plus and well, that sort of thing. I know there are people that don't want to be spoiled and they want to watch it all in one shot. You know, they want to subscribe yeah. to, because it's expensive. You're talking, you know, what, $10 a month or a little under that. And 
it's you know week after week after week after week well if you can just pay one month watch it all yeah cancel it wait till the next one's done watch it all you know i mean you could pay for a month and binge watch a whole season of picard lower decks and prodigy in that one month you know you could get it all easily easily so yeah i agree and strange new worlds so um all right so I think we should wrap it there. That's we. I think we've had a long enough rant about discovery. <laughs> Frankly, longer than I thought. But yeah. that's, but, that's hope, good. Hopefully, we also came across that we we do find some good things about the series. It's mm-hmm. just the balance is off <laughs> on that. Yeah. So before we go, I I'd want to take a moment to thank our patrons, who you are patrons, who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek and all the other shows. At StarQuest, we could not do this without your continued yes. financial support. So we would love to hear from you what you think of Star Trek Discovery and, and especially season four and what you look forward to in the future, uh, perhaps season five or other series. You can do that by visiting this post on Patreon and leaving some feedback there. You can go to our StarQuest Discord server at sqpn.com slash Discord. We have a patron talk uh, channel there and we also have the Secrets of Star Trek channel th- as well you can send an email to trek at sqpn.com as well you can always subscribe to the Secrets of Star Trek by visiting sqpn.com slash trek and until next time Father Cory Stika thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Star Trek well thank you Dom and once again I'm Dom Bettinelli thank you for listening to this special episode of the Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest and remember Live long and prosper. Or live logs and proper. (laughs) 